0: As most of you are aware, we've been spending this month, as we had a break from the kids' ministry, on a series called Kingdom Kids. And Pastor Kevin's done a wonderful job of picking up some kids and youth in Scripture and, and preaching about them, and my creativity was so great that I went to give a title to my sermon on Samuel, and I simply called it Kingdom Kids. <laughs> because I think that's what it really is all about today. Uh, I'll be reading in a few moments from 1 Samuel 1. If you want to turn to it now and be ready for that, um, then you you can have it before you. It will also be on the screen. To mention I chose Samuel, and the account of Samuel's life is, is fascinating and it's instructive. Israel had fallen into all kinds of spiritual disarray because of largely many of the godless judges who had ruled them up until this point in time. So now she was undergoing tremendous oppression, largely from the Philistines. She was racked by religious scandal and there was very little prophetic influence. And it was into this setting that Samuel, a kingdom kid, was born. And Samuel became the bridge builder for God to reorient the faith of the Israelites. He was the last of the judges. He was the first of a new line of prophets in the mode and tradition of Moses. He even established a school of the prophets and he had the privilege of anointing two kings, Saul and David. He gave spiritual leadership to Israel during a time when they needed to renew their spiritual direction. Understanding how he came to be one of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible is crucial to our understanding of how Kingdom kids become Kingdom leaders who will discern and follow God's will. And it's my prayer this morning that we as adults will learn more about what it means to to raise kingdom kids, and kingdom kids will learn more about what it means to continue to live as kingdom kids. So with that in mind and that background, let's turn to 1 Samuel. I'll be reading the first chapter. Let's hear the word of the Lord. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zophite. From the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Panina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, Almighty, If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to the home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank and praise you for your word. But there is so much here, so profound, so simple, and so we rely upon you. Through your Holy Spirit, move into our hearts, teach us what we need to learn, encourage us where we need to be encouraged strengthen us where we are weak let a fire in our hearts for you so our lights may shine for the glory of Christ in whose name we pray amen to put it in its simplest terms Samuel's life was a dedicated life it was dedicated in three phases The first phase of Samuel's life was dedicated pre-birth. His life was dedicated pre-birth. His development from a kingdom kid into a kingdom leader started before he was born. Every year, the Israelites made a pilgrimage to Shiloh to offer sacrifices, to atone for their sin, and to worship the Lord. Many of them traveled extensive miles through the desert And those who didn't have the right kind of animals would walk both ways because it's an event they dared not miss. And the book of Samuel opens at just such a time. We're at Shiloh. And at Shiloh we meet a man named Elkanah and his family. And to us, at least, it's an unusual family. But we're told he had two wives. Now, I could go down a bunny trail and we could talk about that, but I think some of it becomes clear in the story, so if you're interested and curious about that, you can talk to me later. Our focus here this morning is that one wife, Penina, had many sons and daughters, but his wife, Hannah, had none. She was barren, unable to bear children. And barrenness was often considered to be a punishment from God, so this time of year was always difficult for Hannah. In fact, she felt worse when she went to church. Because you see, the meat from the sacrifices was prepared, and then it was given to the women, and they got as many pieces of meat as they had children. So each year, here was Hannah, and she had to watch Panaina get all these pieces of meat while she got just the one, even if it was a double portion or choice offering from her husband. It hurt her. It didn't comfort her. And since a woman's status was based upon how much fruit had come from her womb, this event always reminded her of her low status among the people. Penina didn't help things. She kept provoking her. And finally, in this year, Hannah's misery overflowed. She was overwhelmed with disappointment. But that's when God was ready to work. Now, he had a family. You see, God almost always begins with a family. Think about Abraham. Abraham's call was to be a blessing to the entire world. But he was to do that by being a blessing first to his family, who could then be a blessing to their family, who could then be a blessing to their family on down through the generations. His being a blessing to the world depended first on his being a blessing to his own household and his own family. I think the importance of that really came to me back when I was in seminary just a couple of years ago. <clears throat> I preached one Sunday at a church over in the other part of the state. And a couple of months later, I was walking through the hall of seminary, and the dean of the seminary called me over, and he asked if I had preached at that particular church in the not-too-distant past. And I said, I had. And I said, why? And he pulled out a of copy of Temple Time, which is now Words of Hope, the devotional booklet, and he pointed to an article written by a member of that congregation. And in one of her devotions, she made reference to a seminary student who had preached in that church, and she went on to say that she heard, when she heard him, she knew that his parents had laid a great foundation, and his message reflected as much upon the job they had done as it did on him. And she was absolutely right. I was blessed by being raised in a Christian-centered home and environment. I was prepared for ministry long before I ever went to seminary. It began in my family. And that's where God often begins. That's why I love our our baptismal liturgy. It asks parents to train their children in Christ's way by their example. And I'll say more about that in a few minutes. But that's where God begins The arrival of a baby ushers in a whole new beginning. Babies are signposts to God's future, and their conception is a birth and a miracle which can come only from God. So kids, never forget, you are a miracle of God. You are a signpost pointing to the fact that God has a future ahead of you and He has great things in store for you. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does, no matter how you may feel, you are a kingdom kid, God's miracle, a signpost that God is at work in your life. God begins in the family as He responds to prayer. Verse 10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, Remember me and give me a son. Verse 19, And the Lord remembered her. To ask for a male child simply reflected what was normal for that time. But therefore, to be willing to to say, Give me a child and and he'll be yours. To be willing to, to sacrifice all those years the child is growing up shows us the depth of her sacrifice and her heart. And that's what Hannah promised. She poured out her heart to God. She prayed from the depths of her soul, so much so that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. Can't you almost hear her say, God, you blessed Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel with sons. You blessed Samson's mother with a son. God... Bless me with a son. What we find is that history turns on a prayer. Let me make just one little aside. I said a moment ago that it was hard for Hannah to go. In fact, she probably felt worse when she went to church. What a reminder that participating in worship in church life is critically important even when and especially when we don't feel like it and it might make us feel worse. If Hannah had not been in the temple, she wouldn't have felt the searing pain that led her to her prayer and to her vow. The prayer for children reminds me of George McCluskey. Some of you have heard the story, but it bears repeating. When George McCluskey and his wife started a family, he decided to invest one hour a day in prayer for his children. Eventually he expanded it to include his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and every day from 11 to noon he could be found praying for all of them. As years went by, his two daughters committed their lives to Christ and both married men who went into the ministry. Those two couples produced four girls and one boy. Each of those four girls married a minister, the boy became a pastor. The first two children born to that generation were both boys and upon graduation from high school they decided to go to the same college and they became roommates. One of the boys in his sophomore year committed himself to go into the ministry. The other didn't want to go into ministry but he wanted to pursue his interest in psychology. He earned his doctorate and eventually wrote a number of best-selling books and established a radio show that went on a thousand stations a day. The man's name was James Dobson, a focus on the family. Dare I say all of this through the prayers of one man, George McCluskey? I ask you, what if George McCluskey had not prayed? I know it's true. I once had the privilege of preaching at the ordination service of a dear friend, and in the sermon I mentioned that I believed that before he was in the womb, God had set him apart for ministry, even if no one else was aware of it at the time. After the service, his mother came up to me and said, Curry, nobody really knows it, but I'm telling you that before he was ever born, I prayed he'd become a minister. God responds to prayer. Kids, I want you to know you were prayed for often, long before you were born. You are the answer to the prayers of people who loved you before you were born. And that makes you special. It makes you a kingdom kid. You are a gift of God to your family and to the human race. You, like Samuel, are dedicated to God. It happened before you were born. That means your life has a purpose. God has something in store for you that he will share with you. You are his. It all happened pre-birth. Samuel was dedicated not only pre-birth, but also post-birth. In her passionate prayer to God, Hannah made a vow in bitterness of soul Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord and she made a vow saying O Lord almighty if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life so after Samuel was born Hannah kept him home until he was weaned and in those days that was usually about 3 years of age Obviously, Hannah spent those three years preparing his heart, for when he became three years old, she fulfilled her vow. Verse 27, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now, she says to Eli the priest, I give him to the Lord, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And the Hebrew words here are such that it's not just She's dedicating him or loaning her child to God. It's an irrevocable giving of her child to the service of the Lord. I ask you, how could God not use Samuel? How could he not? Parents, how often do you think about the vows you made before God? Think again of our baptismal vows. They ask each parent, do you promise to pray for your children and teach them to pray? Some years ago, during the height of the school prayer debate, a senator was asked to address a local gathering at a men's dinner. About 450 men were present. And the discussion that was running around the tables was very intense and very emotional. It had to do with this issue of should there be prayer in the school? So the senator was sensitive to that. And when he got up to speak, He began with a question. He said, first, how many of you would like to see prayer return to the schools? And all the hands shot up, and there were even some amens. Then he said, let me ask you a second question. How many of you pray with your children each morning at home? And the silence was deafening. Eventually a few raised their hand, although hesitantly. These men were far more ready to demand of the church and of Congress what they were unwilling to do on their own. So it's a checkpoint this morning. Parents, do you pray with drunken passion for your children? It's the foundation to raising your kingdom kids to be kingdom leaders. I mean, think about it. Is there anything more important for our children than salvation through Jesus Christ? Is there anything more necessary than for the Holy Spirit to fill them and flow into them and through them and develop Christ's likeness within them? And the Holy Spirit fills our children in response to our fervent prayers. Remember Jesus' words, Luke 11, 11 to 13. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Parents, blanket your children in prayer. Claim for them the ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God responds to prayer grandparents, pray for your children, many of whom are the parents who need the prayers, and pray for your grandchildren. God responds to prayer. It's in that spirit that we'll soon be preparing to launch and adopt a Kingdom Kid prayer partnership. It will be our hope that every Kingdom Kid here at Hope Church will have a kingdom kids pal a kingdom kids pal, a praying, affirming loving senior adult who will pray for, affirm and love them too and perhaps even through their college years I'm praying for the Lord to lay it on the hearts of many of you to make that a reality But let me go back to the baptismal liturgy It asked parents not only about praying, but it also asked, do you promise to instruct your child in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, and to train him in Christ's way by your example, through worship and in the nurture of the church? And your response was something like, God being my helper, I do. Parents, how have you fared? In addition to praying, are you teaching Are you modeling? Are you bringing your children to worship at every opportunity? Are you making sure they are involved in the educational ministries and total life of the church? Do they see you valuing the nurture and life of the church and its body? Do they sense its priority and importance for you? I ask this because if you've taken the vow, hear these words from Ecclesiastes 5, starting in verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming in many words are meaningless. Therefore stand in awe of God. So to fulfill her vow, Hannah released Samuel to God. A supreme act of self-denial. Again, when we understand the depths of her desire to have a child, to have a son, we can appreciate the depth of her sacrifice in giving him to God, turning him over to the priest to be raised and trained in the temple at age three. Now, let me just add a note here. I'm not going to make the application that all of your parents when your children are age three ought to bring them here for Kevin and Meg to raise. (laughs) Although there might be days you want to do that, that's not what it says. They've got their hands full enough. What it's saying is you do not leave it up to the church but you raise them in the environment and atmosphere of the church. And Hope Church, we must do all we can to attract, value, and prioritize children. Those already here and those in our community yet to come. It's our first duty. Even the prophet Joel, Joel 1-3, said, tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. It begins in the home, but it's a cooperative effort with the church. They need the church, and we need to have it be our top priority in everything we say and do. We can't just delegate it to to our A kid staff or to, to the youth staff or to friendly helpers begins at home with the parents, but the church equips them, surrounds them, and gives them an environment in which to raise their children. I love what happened in the life of Bishop Edwin Hughes. His eldest son and namesake was ordained as a minister. And at his service of ordination, his mother delivered the charge. And her eloquent words serve us well today. They could well have been Hannah's. She said, we gave you to God. We have never taken our gift away from Him. It does not seem long since that morning when God placed you in my arms. I had no feeling then that you left His arms when you came to mine. Again tonight. As I have so often done, I place you in the arms of God. I have no feeling now that you have left my arms when I place you in His. You are my son the more because you are His son the more. I gladly give you to Christ, utterly and forever. You are to be the Savior's minister. He will keep you, guide you, comfort you, strengthen you. And if by His providence I go to the heavenly home before you do, I shall wait for your coming in the proud confidence that even as you once came back to me with the decoration of honor on the worn coat of a young soldier. So then you will come to me with the badge of the Lord Jesus on your heart with the inscription, Well done, good and faithful servant. Another word for the kids. and I don't want to steal from Pastor Kevin who will be preaching about Jesus as a boy next week. But I just want to say, kids, remember Jesus around age 12. Maybe you've heard the story parents took him to the temple and he got engaged with, with the priests and the, and the teachers of the law and, and they were teaching him and he was dialoguing with them and his parents said it was time to go and they took off and they left with others to go back home and they went some distance before they realized that Jesus wasn't with them and he hadn't gone with them, he hadn't followed them and they panicked but they went back and they found him there and they asked him what he was doing and he said I'm being about my father's business my kids I'm not telling you to Abandon your parents. There might be days you want to do that, but don't do that. What I am saying is this learn about Jesus, seek Jesus, grow in faith. Because once you leave the shelter and the environment of your home and of the church body, you'll go out into a world that is seeking to break you down at every chance it gets. So you need to be prepared. But know this Jesus has your back. And when it gets tough, when you feel you can't make it, when you don't know what to do, just speak the name of Jesus and remind yourself He's there and He's got you and it's in His hands. And parents, I know the road is difficult. Been there, done that, still doing that. I share with you these words of Pastor Leslie Weatherhead. I meet a great many people who wish they had more influence in the world and think they don't count for much. But if from your home there comes, because of what you have been and done, a good man or good woman, you will have done more for your nation, more for the true progress of mankind, and more for God than many of those whose names are written on the scrolls of fame. The question is, are you willing to truly release your children to God. What would that look like for you? Samuel was dedicated pre birth, post birth, but also through a providential birth. I encourage you later today to read chapter 2 and chapter 3 because it, the first three chapters all go together and, and we watch the flow of how God acted in, in all of this. But beginning in chapter 3, we see that he was actively involved in Samuel's life. It's another illustration of human need meeting divine power. Hannah, as we saw, needed a son. God needed a leader. God put the two together. Notice God's concrete participation. Verse 19, Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. God honored and remembered her faith. Then in chapter 2, we read, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah, She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord, and God said, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his house, and he will minister before my anointed one always. God not only promoted Samuel to higher levels of service, but he continued to bless Elkanah and Hannah. And then we come to chapter 3 and we see that God took the initiative and He called Samuel. It's that favorite story of repeatedly calling him in the middle of the night and him going to the priest. I call that his profession of faith moment. I know because I know so many who have had that kind of moment. I've had that moment where in the quiet of the night he just said, it's time to stand up for Jesus. It's time for you to go into the ministry kids the day will come when he will speak to you I don't know what age I don't know when I don't know how but he will and you will know it when he does and when he does do not be afraid to respond we know through the prophet Jeremiah God said before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I set you apart Jeremiah's case he said I appointed you as a prophet to the nations God has appointed you he's at work in your life You may not know where you're headed. You may not know what you want to do. Maybe you do, and it might change. You might be right. But understand and know that God will use you for His purposes. He's got it all figured out. He's got it planned. He will not let you go. Because God has a continuing participation, even as He had in Samuel's life. The end of the third chapter of Samuel. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. He let none of his words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word and Samuel's word came to all Israel God used and blessed Samuel mightily God is serious about the needs of his people and is always at work The life and future of a nation depends on the character of the home, and the character of the home depends upon the spiritual life of the parents and the support of the church. God awaits our prayers. He anticipates and honors our vows. Today's kingdom kids can be tomorrow's kingdom leaders but they are being developed and dedicated today. It's up to us. As the biblical expositor William Barclay wrote, of all God's gifts, there is none for which we shall be so answerable as the gift of our children. What are you doing with your gift? Let's pray. Lord God. What an awesome, awesome privilege it is to be entrusted by you, as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as a church, the body of Christ. To care for, to minister. To and to train children. Lord, and blazon on our hearts, not just your desire, but your command that we teach the next generation. We raise them up in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. Even now, I ask that you would prepare the hearts, all the kids and youth who are here this day and who hear it online and who are part of this church and ministry. Prepare them to hear the call that you will give. Telling them it's time to stand up for Jesus. And may they learn it because they see us standing up. Standing up for Jesus. Encourage parents. Give them wisdom, discernment, perseverance. And be with us here at Hope Church. So instill within us, so inspire us, that children flock to come here to be in touch with Jesus. These are the prayers we raise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.